Claire FM's Beyond Belief with Father Jerry Kenny. Very good evening to you and you're warmly welcome as you join us for Beyond Belief here on Care FM on this Sunday evening, the 28th of January, 2024. Father Jerry Kenny here in the chair this evening and tonight we have quite a packed programme. We will be visiting a school back in West Clare in Kilkee, St. Joseph's Community College and chatting with three of the students there who took part in the recent BT Young Scientist exhibition in Dublin. We'll be hearing about their project and their hopes for the future. Father Richard Leonard, an Australian Jesuit priest who has published a book, The Law of Love, interpreting the wisdom of old times in a new language, chats to Pat Coyle of the Jesuit Communications Office about the challenges posed to us by St. Paul in the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul's famous passage where he speaks about love. And this week, as we move into the month of February and celebrate the feast of our patroness, St. Bridget, on the 1st of February, we hear a reflection and a discussion about the influence of Bridget on the Irish psyche. And of course, I'll be chatting shortly with my colleague, Stephen Fletcher, at his Kilrush studio. But first, let's begin with some music and hear from County Clare, our Stockton's wing and beautiful affair. Give yourself a smile 
Well, it's time again on this Sunday evening to join with my colleague Stephen Fletcher. And Stephen, we're here with some mince pies <laughs> on the left, still left since Christmas season, and a lovely cup of coffee. Yeah. So thanks for the hospitality. Yeah, it's our pleasure, as you know, Jerry. And uh, people think all we do is sit around drinking coffee and mince pies, but uh, we do a bit of work as well. Oh gosh, yeah, we do, we do. <laughs> this is this is sort of a little break in the in the busy day, really, uh, to sit down and chat with you. And I suppose just taking a look at how quickly time has gone. I mean, it isn't too long ago in one way when we look back and see we were in the height of Christmas. And yet there's a month gone and now we're preparing to move into February this week. I know. I know. Yeah, it's uh, been very busy. And of course, the weather's had a lot to do with things. We had a lot of things planned for the week of prayer for Christian unity, a lot of ecumenical things. And, uh, you know, I'm afraid they got blown out of the water by the two storms. So I'm afraid they were victims of the storms. But uh, yeah, we've got a lot coming up. Of course, we've got Lent coming up. But uh, more particularly, very shortly, we have St. Bridget's Day. That's right, this this coming week, uh, Thursday. And I've just been visiting some of the schools there um, uh, this week. And I know that they're getting ready because usually in a lot of the schools, they engage the children with the making of St. Bridget's crosses, gathering the reeds and then forming the the cross which I've always had uh, a soft spot for the St. Bridges cross I like I like the St. Bridges cross and I actually carry one in the car with me a small little one and it's just a particularly Irish symbol really of cross and of course the story of Bridget is a fascinating story later on in the program we have an interview where I've dipped into the archives of what we used to produce many years before on the program and I found a recording of an interview with none up in in Kildare and we're using that because it's very informative still about you know what the Bridget's Cross represents and about Bridget herself and her tremendous work and the way in which you know her, her compassion and her care of the earth in particular which has come into the fore in our time but Bridget was an ecologist long before the, the word was probably invented and was uh, very very much involved in in caring for the earth and for the people in her care and, you know, it's quite a very, very strong figure in the history of our country. Yeah, uh, and the making of the cross, it, all the crosses I've seen, and as, as you can see in the studio, we've got a large one that Joanne O'Brien arranged for me to have. And they all seem to be made in the same way. There's a specific way of making them, is there? There is, I think, yeah. And there's a little bit of variation, all right, but it's this sort of making the cross from the, the single, uh, if you like, straw um, line of straw or, or a wreath that there's an art in doing it really and that's, uh, the kids enjoy it uh, as they they learn to do that in the school and it's it's a very traditional thing but uh, you know on the interview coming up you know we hear sort of like how the Bridges Cross was often used as a symbol of reconciliation very often between people and it just is is very uh, traditional and and a nice thing and of course it became the symbol as well for the national broadcaster RTE when uh, the television station opened and there still is uh, the symbol is still there in the logo in some way and of course we want to I mean now that we'll be entering February this week a few short weeks we'll be moving into the season of Lent because it's quite early this year the 14th of February 
it's actually Valentine's Day is actually Ash Wednesday this year so there's going to be uh, I suppose a little clash in some way between the ashes and the and the love hearts but uh, at the same time it's all about you know the call of God in some way uh, for us on the journey. Yeah, and of course that then starts, we'll have a lot of things happening in Lent, a lot of courses, uh, a lot of services as well. So uh, we'll uh, probably get people up to date next week with those. I'll be doing the show next week so uh, we can have a look and let people know what's happening. But uh, there will be courses and uh, uh, places and things to do. Yes, there's going to be one here actually back in West Clare during the course of Lent organised by the diocese, but a team of people will be coming to do an introduction to the Bible and that'll be run here in Kilrush uh, later on in February, starting once Lent has begun for one night a week and that will be open to everybody. But as you say, Stephen, there will be many opportunities like that. And of course, Lent as well as associate particularly with our organisation Trokora and its work through the world in terms of caring for those, especially in areas of the world uh, that are suffering. And we will be having a focus on that as we move through the time of February as well. So anyway, Stephen, thank you for the hospitality here and for the chat as always. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a piece of music tonight now from our chat um, by a favourite singer of mine, Blaise Calloway and this is a song it was written for a musical that I think never was actually produced but it's it's aimed at being you there in the back row it's called it's about a musical that where the cast are um, getting ready to produce a musical but it doesn't happen and yet this song is a lovely classic from it and it's just inviting the member in the back of the audience to be uh, so important and part and parcel of what's happening on the stage. So here's the voice of Liz Calloway. Very good. Thank you, Jerry.
tuned to Beyond Belief on Care FM on this Sunday, the 28th of January 2024. And I'm here now with three students from St. Joseph's Community College in Kiki in West Clare. And they have been up at the recent BT Young Scientist exhibition and uh, to great acclaim uh, had their project uh, assessed. Uh, but this has been their second year. And um, I'm here with Keen, with Connor and with Cara, and they're going to tell us about their project uh, for this year. But first of all, Keen, if I can come to you and just talk to, talk us through about last year. This time last year, you also were up at the same exhibit and you had a, a marvellous project then. Yeah, so we went up last year to the BT and we went up with the project that we would extract uh, biofuel from seaweed and the biofuel then would uh, hopefully power your cars or you know heat your homes. Uh, but we moved on from that project and we researched a bit more and we found out it wasn't very viable. So we produced a biochar from our seaweed and then this biochar in return is a great fertilizer for your fields and it also gets rid of the smell of uh, slurry. Um, so that's what we went up with this year. So uh, it's really about our taste and our smell that you're concentrating on this year and that'll make life a little easier for people going through the countryside. Connor, um, what was it like to work on this project? Well, it was great and to, with the help from uh, Toos and Dr. Lee, the man, we were able to use all the machines below there and it was made it real easier because inside in school you wouldn't have all the machines so it made it real more easier and it is great to be involved in such a project and all sorts of stuff like this and like I mean what you've done is is this an additive that you would put in to juice the smell is that is that what it's about it would it be an additive that you mix in when you're agitating your slurry and then it's mixed in with your slurry then when you go with to spread your slurry on the land so it's mixed in with agitation and in terms of have you cost it what this might what the additive might work out at for the the person using it well we haven't cost it yet because we're only doing it on such a small scale so it have to be done on a larger scale to see the the cost of what it would impact on farmers but uh when you were up at the exhibit and things like that you got quite accommodation for this work we did, but we attracted a lot of attention as well from our overalls and from the great display, and that kind of all mounted to it, I suppose, with the great project behind us as well. It all helped to our success. And Cara, you know, you, you, were, <clears throat> you were famous, you were on the Late Late last year, you were on the Ray Darcy this year, and you got a lot of publicity uh, for what you had done. Um, so what was it like being back for the second time? I suppose coming back this year we weren't expecting to get the same publicity that we got last year because we did so well last year but no, we were delighted to be on the Red Arcy show and on the news again and did some interviews with Irish Times and for other podcasts and stuff so it was we weren't definitely not expecting to get the same recognition that we did but no, we were very proud to get it again this year. And where do you think this will go now? I mean, you know, you've put such amount of work into this over the past year. Where are you hoping to take it? Well, we're leaving certs now, so we can't return again to the BT next year. But if you were to continue the project, you'd have to get an awful lot of funding to um, test it on a large scale. Um, you never know, you could work with Chagas or those Moore Park or those research farms to create the biochar at a larger scale to mix it with your slurry and test it on fields in a bigger scale to really see if it's viable and if it's suitable for farmers to use in everyday basis. 
But do you have the groundwork done? That's the that's the the key, maybe to to looking into the future and things like that. And now that it is your leaving search year, do you feel you know that this sort of work and and the effort you put in for the project, um, obviously it's taken up a lot of your time. Is it something that you think might influence the careers you might look forward to? Um, I'm not sure if it'll influence my career now as such, but it's definitely great to to be able to say that you went up to the BT and you know, uh, it's great to have on the CV I think so it'll definitely help in, later on in life And in terms of you know at the exhibit itself as well as the adjudication and that that you had to perform for um, what was the social aspect of it like? Well it was great because you were meeting other students from different schools and from all over the country and all there with their projects and you weren't just talking about the projects you were just talking about everything like just socialising it was great in that aspect seeing people from all different sorts of areas And you had some visitors as well from your own school here in Kiki while you were up in Dublin? We did, yeah. So the first years and the second year students came up to visit us along visit us along with Pat and Miss um, Miss McGrath. So that was nice, Irish, for them to come up and maybe inspire them to have a project next year as well. And I'm sure the the staff here, your teachers, and that they were a great support to you. What particular teachers were uh, guiding you on this project? Well, sure. Miss Egan is amazing. She's our ag science teacher and science teacher here in the school, but she puts a massive, massive amount of effort into this project as well. And she's so interested and very dedicated. So, yeah, we wouldn't be anywhere without her. Well, let us wish you every success. And uh, as you're facing into the mocks now soon and to your leaving cert, uh, wish you all well uh, in your careers ahead. So, Cara, Connor, and Keen, thank you for taking the time to chat to us here in Beyond Belief. Thank you very much. Thank you. And our thanks there to Keen McInerney, to uh, Connor Crotty, and to Cara Killeen, uh, three students of St. Joseph's Community College in Kiki, uh, for chatting to me about their project with the Young Scientist exhibition earlier on this month. And we wish them and all our students, especially at this time as they face into mocks and get ready for uh, major exams in the coming months, uh, every success and blessing. And here is a little bit of music again from the repertoire of the Beatles with a little help from my friends. What would you think if I sang out a tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song and I'll try not to sing out a By the end of the day Are you sad? 
There we have the Beatles with with a little help from my friends. And you're tuned to Beyond Belief here on Clare FM. Well, we're continuing with the music. And this time we're going local. Uh, Teresa Carrig from Kilrush has produced an album recently. And we're taking a track from that album tonight. And here is Teresa singing her own composition, I'm the One You Love.
You're tuned to Beyond Belief here on Claire FM on this Sunday, the 28th of January. St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 13, has a wonderful hymn to love. It tells us that love is patient, kind. This reading provides many challenges, and this reading is often used at our Catholic wedding ceremonies. And in his book, The Law of Love, by Father Richard Leonard, a Jesuit from Australia, he poses some of the challenges that this hymn to love of St. Paul poses for young couples themselves and for all of us on the Christian journey. He chats now with Pat Coyle of the Jesuit Communication Centre about this particular passage from St. Paul. 1 Corinthians 13 is, of course, the wedding text. I like it at weddings too, though I'm not sure the bride and groom just quite understand what a text they're actually reading because it's powerful for all of us and it's challenging for all of us. Love is not a noun, it's a verb. It's a doing word. And that's what Paul's saying. You can say you love someone till the cows come home. But if you're jealous and envious and angry and treat people badly, you don't love them. So it's a doing word. I always say to couples... But you can feel jealous of somebody and really love them. You might have a really good friend and you love them very much and you know they're a really good person, but you can't help feeling if they're better than you at something or if they get more attention than you. Just from being childhood up, you're going to feel it's like that awful sick feeling. You Mm. mightn't like it, but... It's just so natural. Mm. I think everything has to be kept in check. I think, well, you know, when we talk in Christianity, we don't have an awful lot of nuance sometimes. So when Paul talks in these absolutes, and so does Jesus for that matter, talk in these absolutes, it's always got to be coloured by, well, everything's on a level or on a grade. There's one to ten on jealousy. There's one to ten on envy. There's one to ten on telling the truth. Like, for instance, it's not a good thing to always tell the truth every time, everywhere, every time. Because, for instance, we believe in the virtual prudence. So the virtual prudence from Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologica, middle of the 13th century, he comes along and says, well, one of the great virtues is prudence. We don't talk about this very much anymore. I do explore a bit of this in The Law of Love as well. To be a prudent person says telling the truth or telling what needs to be said at the right time to the right place in the right way. That's a prudential thing to do. So back to your example of being jealous of somebody or envious of somebody. Yeah, they're going to be very natural instincts and wanting what they've got or wanting what we perceive they've got anyway. Like the number of times, for instance, that I've thought that a couple have got the perfect marriage or someone's got the perfect family life. And then a little while later, I discover that wasn't quite the case. And someone's, you know, got all the gifts. And then I sort of discover, well, they're lacking just a couple of gifts like being compassionate and easy to work with or something like that. So, you know, we're we're all a, a complex mix. But there's a grade of 1 to 10, at least. It could be a grade of 1 to 100. In other words, we talk in absolutes, and that's not all particularly helpful. So when we come to love is kind, love is patient, we're being called to a big love there. But it's indicating, I think, the the greater story there. If Paul is saying, look, it's a verb. You've got to do it. And like saying it, it's love is not a feeling. It's a doing word. If you love someone, you can feel wonderful about it. But how you really demonstrate that is how do you behave? And your behavior is how you will indicate. And I say in the book, you know, that um, just I try to keep the 
as, as important and as um, there's some good scholarship in the book, I hope. But I also try to intersperse it with some stories and some, you know, some real life events. And I talk about weddings. I say that uh, in these weddings, uh, when they've chosen 1 Corinthians as the text that they want among the other texts at their wedding, I say, look, what I'd like you to do is to take out the word love and put in the words, Jenny is loving and kind. John is always patient. Uh, John never seeks the downfall of the other, but hopes all things, endure all things. Jenny's love will not come to an end. And whenever I give them that speech, they normally say, I'm not sure we should have that text after all. <laughs> My point exactly. <laughs> yeah, because it feels too much. It feels too high. But what Paul's saying is, if you're going to stand there and say, I'm going to love you for the rest of my life, then I'm going to have to show that every single day. And, you know, I think a really basic one, and I have that in the thing on 1, 1 Corinthians 13, is um, uh, they did this wonderful survey in Australia a few years ago of people that have been married for 50, 60 or 70 years who would describe their marriages as good, that they've had a good marriage. Notice they didn't say happy. I'm a bit against the happiness industry. Not that I don't want people to have joy, but I think, you know, saying the goal of life is to be happy these days is not all that helpful, to be honest. But whatever of that. So, Why not? Well, I think it's a false goal. I think that we've got to get our kids and all of us ready for the times. They're not happy. I'm not sure about you, but not every day at work for me is a happy day. Not every one of my relationships has been a happy experience. And even, dare I say, not every day in the Catholic Church has been the happiest day of my life. So making it a goal, you hear parents say, I don't care what my kids do as long as they're happy. I've never heard a parent say, I don't care what my kids do as long as they're just and good and people of integrity, they're faithful, hopeful and loving. Now, I know, do know that that's what they want. But we've now in Ireland and Australia, we've got in our vernacular this concept that happiness is the goal in life. It's a category mistake. And I think it's got serious mental health outcomes that we're telling young people, you're always meant to be happy. And if you're not, well, what's wrong? So I've got to change my job or change my relationships or, or get out of the Catholic Church because I'm not happy here. Well, no, it's category mistake. I think we've got to be people of joy. Pope Francis's first letter to the church was the gospel of joy. So difference between joy and happiness? Yeah, I think joy is lots of that happens in your life. They're those wonderful moments where we break through with humour and kindness and sometimes with self-deprecation, we can send ourselves up. We can see, you know, the absurdity of life and how even in it we can find moments of real engagement that can lift our spirits. I think happiness has become a goal and it's... It's almost like the absence of pain, yeah. whereas with joy, you can be joyful and in and pain. through the pain. Yeah. And like in Ireland, Australia, I think one of the many, many gifts the Irish gave to certainly Australian Irish Catholics was that ability, black humour, as we say, that even in the most painful situations, we can laugh. And sometimes we can laugh at ourselves in those situations. So, so the first thing I say to these couples is take out the word love and put in your own name. And I've done that on retreat. And I think it's a really good thing for all of us to do because that is not an exhaustive list that Paul has in 1 Corinthians. It's just saying that you've got to be a person that practices what you preach. That's what he's saying. And it's moving away from love as a feeling. 
And while sexual attraction, thank God, we're now celebrating it, that we need to say that uh, our sexuality and our sexual desires are a gift given by God. Sure, it needs purification, but so does everything else. So does my anger. So does my envy. So does my greed. They all need purification too. They need challenging and formation and funneling into the right uh, and appropriate means of expression. It's saying that it's not just a feeling, lovely feelings within it. It's about what we do. The second thing I say, which is a bit more light or lighter, at weddings that I've done, some hilarious things have been sung over the years. Like at the recessional hymn at a wedding I did was um, Another One Bites the Dust. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Um, I don't know how to love him. That's That was one of my favourites. Um, I don't know how to love him from Jesus Christ movie star and Mary Magdalene's big love number. And again, portrayed as a prostitute, may I say, disgracefully, mm-hmm. a poor woman. And um, uh, I love the rest of that. Being sung at a Catholic wedding, and I've had so many men before in very many ways, he's just one more. But in the book, I say that one of the funniest things ever sung at a wedding in Australia, I thought I knew the introduction when it started at the signing of the civil registers. Um, and I thought, gee, I know that piece. And next minute, this really lovely singer started singing, Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Like, seriously, who thought that was a good idea at the sacrament of matrimony? But what it indicates... Pathetic, maybe. (laughs) I hope not for them. But uh, I don't think we should be singing that on day one. I really don't. And maybe they want to sing it on day 45 or whatever, or year 45, but uh, not day one. So the point being that um, when we come to love, it's got to be about what we practice. And then that becomes who we are. Love is not just an attitude of our lives. It's also about who we become. Back to this survey. They said to these people that have been living for 50, uh, married 50, 60, 70 years, and they could describe their marriages as good. What are the three big things that have, you would say, have really helped your marriage be a good one? And in order, uh, there's no surprises that love came in at number one. Number two was forgiveness. And um, that we have to be able to forgive one another. And as we've talked about earlier, it wasn't that that lets it go or say it's unimportant. It deals with reality, but it deals with it with compassion. The final one, the third one, which I was absolutely delighted but surprised at, was gratitude that they came back and said, and I remember the quote vividly, uh, because I often quote this now at weddings that I do. I can't think of a time in my 60-year marriage that my husband hasn't said please and thank you. From making a cup of tea to having a baby, and I always say I'd like to just note the difference in effort in those two, he's always said please and thank you. I've never felt taken for granted. It was a good habit we got into early in our marriage Because what I've discovered is gratitude and saying please and thank you and the gratitude that attends to it isn't about good manners, as good as they may be. It's about dignity and respect. And, you know, that's a simple thing, isn't it? That we don't lose 
the ability to say please and thank you to everyone. Like this from a, gra- a ditch digger, a grave digger for that matter, to uh, a shop assistant, to the people we live with. Saying please and thank you establishes that this is a gift you're giving me, not my right, not my entitlement. And I think that keeps things in check. So they're the sorts of things I do in that chapter on 1 Corinthians 13. And that was Father Richard Leonard, Australian Jesuit, chatting there to Pat Coyle of the Irish Jesuit Communications Office about the challenges posed by St. Paul's Hymn to Love in 1 Corinthians. Father Leonard's book, The Law of Love, Modern Language for Ancient Wisdom, is published in paperback by Paulist Press. Today, goodbye, the sweetness and the sorrow. Wish me luck the same to you, but I can't regret what I did for love. What I did for love Look, my eyes are trying The gift was ours to borrow It's as if we
of Josh Groban and what I did for love. You're tuned to Beyond Belief here on Claire FM on this Sunday, the 28th of January. Next Thursday, our calendars move us into the season of spring with the beginning of February. And on the 1st of February, we celebrate the great feast of St. Bridget of Kildare. Since last year, Ireland has a public holiday marking this great saint. It's celebrated on the first Monday of February, except in the year when the first of February falls on a Friday, and then that Friday becomes the public day of holiday. The St. Bridget's public holiday is the only holiday in the Irish calendar that represents and marks the contribution of a woman to our culture. St. Bridget is noted as a woman of care, compassion and generosity. This evening we've dipped into the archives of our former broadcasts here on Beyond Belief to bring you a reflection and a chat between Eileen Good and Brenda Kindergan on who Bridget was and what is her contribution and particularly referencing the tradition of the St. Bridget's Cross. The making of St. Bridget's Cross is very popular and very popular here in Kildare, but it's very popular, I would think, all over the country. I suppose it is the, the very familiar outward symbol of Bridget. Mm-hmm. And, as you know, it is made from rushes and it's also made with straw in some parts of the country as well. And um, I, I think kind of there's a story really told about um, a tradition, really, that is handed down uh, from time when people argued around the uh, St. Bridget's Cross. And it is that on St. Bridget's Day, that two kind of people, neighbours, who would have had a dispute during the year, rather than apologising to one another, would exchange the cross and would say to one another, thank God it is Bridget's Day. And I think that's a lovely um, story around the um, exchanging of the cross and the use of the cross because both held face and um, they also kind of made friends again. And I think the cross as well was, um, you know, it was traditionally made uh, in the house on the eve and it was hung up then on St. Bridget's Day, hung up at the door and it was really used um, to protect the house from fire and the people in it and from famine. 
Maybe some people might even remember that in the early days of RTE, the St. Bridges Cross was the symbol. That's right. And there's a very close connection that I have to that because the person who made that cross would be the mother of a sister-in-law of mine. That's marvellous, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. lovely. Yeah. Well, when you, th- when you think of um, St. Bridget today, would you think she's relevant for people today? Oh, very much so. Really, I suppose, you know, all through the years, we have seen an increase in the numbers of people uh, interested in Bridget. So she really does have something very uh, significant to offer people today. And really, I suppose it is her values. And what, what are they? stands for. I think one that really um, is, I suppose, what she's so well known for is that, you know, her abbey was known as a place of welcome, a place of hospitality. So hospitality and the care for everyone, that all were welcome. Because Bridget used to say, every guest is Christ. So it was neither rich nor poor. All were welcome if you were a bishop or if you were um, a labourer or Mm. if you were man or woman. And indeed, even the animals were welcome. Mm. And I think that really um, is a very important value because I suppose there is what we call the hospitality industry now, but we pay for that hospitality anyway. And I think if we can learn to see that, you know, the value in each human being and live by the hospitality that Bridget lived by, well, then I think the world would be a better place, which kind of leads me on to her next value, really, that I think people are inspired by as well, and that is her compassion and care for the poor. And, you know, that Bridget really um, was so concerned for the poor that she felt really that we should share everything we have with the poor. And I think this is very important even for us as Christians. Uh, Certainly if we come to our own table today to eat the food maybe that has taken maybe so many carbon footprints uh, that we need to consider as well the circumstances under which this food is produced. Mm. And, and of course, that, I was going, sorry, Brenda, to interrupt. I was going to say that would bring you on to Bridget and her care for the earth. Yes, yes, it does bring me on to that because certainly she's renowned for her care for the earth and many of the stories and legends um, tell us that she really was an earth woman and woman of the land. And she had such reverence and respect for the land and she was so attuned to nature. And that is so relevant today. And we hear so much talk today about caring for our earth and being green in our lifestyle. Uh, But I think, too, we have to look at why this was so for Bridget. Why did she have such reverence and respect? And I think it is that at the very heart of it, the very heart of the whole community of life and nature, that she saw God. And that that is why you care for the earth. And she saw that we were all interdependent and interconnected. And that was Brenda Kindergan of Kildare chatting with Eileen Good. And that particular interview was broadcast a number of years ago here on Beyond Belief. And as we move now into the week and celebrate St. Bridget's Day next Thursday, we continue our reflection tonight with a contribution from Sister Anne Crowley of Kilkee. 
May Bridget bless each heart today, bring springtime hope and harmony. We breathe your name as your mantle of peace spreads over our people, our country, our world. You bring light into darkness, hope to the downtrodden. You are the voice of the weary and the poor. Goddess of the dawn, gather us beneath your cloak, cover us with your faith, lead us along the path of justice and holiness. With you, we welcome spring's awakening. Bring harmony where there is unrest. Calm us and encourage us. Heal us and nurture us. Let your church and holy wells refresh our faith. We weave fresh rushes in your memory, reminders of Jesus crucified, protecting our homes. Mwira Nguel, teach us how to keep faith alive. Let us sit beneath your oak in silent prayer, in reverence and awe of God's creation. As we approach the 1st of February and St. Bridget's Day and a bank holiday next weekend, let's hope that the weather improves and just maybe reflective of what we've been going through over the past while. Here is the voice of Van Morrison and Full Force Gale.
Well, we've come to the end of our Sunday evening edition of Beyond Belief for this Sunday, the 28th of January. Our thanks for your company throughout the past hour and to our guests, to Connor, Keane and Cara from St. Joseph's Community College in Kilkee for chatting to us about their recent project for the BT Young Scientist Exhibition. To Father Richard Leonard and to Pat Coyle of the Jesuit Communications Office for bringing us that a challenging reflection on St. Paul's Hymn to Love in 1 Corinthians. And to Bridget Krindergan and Sister Anne Crowley for helping us to reflect on St. Bridget as we move into the month of February later this week. Of course, my thanks always to Stephen Fletcher, my colleague, for our chat earlier in the programme and for producing tonight's edition of Beyond Belief. Our programme here and, of course, our Sunday morning programme of Sunday Prayer at a quarter to eight here on Care FM every Sunday morning are available for download as podcasts by going to the catch-up facility at Care FM on the website or on the app. Father Jerry Kenny, wishing you a very peaceful week ahead and that you may be safe and warm this Sunday evening. Until we chat again, Sloan August Banach.